and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. You can visit my website at narctroopers.com where you will find all kinds of goodies to help you on your recovery journey. Today's topic is the 12-step strategy for sobriety for achieving sobriety from the narcissistic betrayal bond. Loving a person with NPD is an addiction that binds you to them long after they are gone. I think of that song by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young about our house. Our house is a very, very, very fine house with two cats in the yard Life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. Yep, that's kind of how I thought things were. And let's face it, every relationship with a disordered person who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder has an expiration date. We fall for them, take their hand, and step into a fantastical technicolor extravaganza of color and sound. Every sensation is amplified and the feeling of oneness and symbiosis is the most powerful thing we have ever felt. It is electric, magical, and mind-blowing. Make no mistake, all the red flags are there. They were always there. We just we just can't see them. We can't allow ourselves to see them. And, you know, they, they warn you. The narcissist warns you. They, they test your boundaries. They tell you who they are in a thousand different ways that would send a regular person running for the exit. But not us. We stay. And we look, um, we just kind of look the other way. When the red flags, you know, pop up into view, we don't want to see that. It's just, you know, what's happening? It's too delicious, too satisfying. They promise to love us the way we always wanted to be loved, but we're not. And this pact with the devil, this tacit agreement binds you to them as you dance the dizzying dance of bliss and agony, euphoria and horror. You are trapped in the role of child, mother, savior, and enemy forever with a demented five-year-old with no soul. They are damaged in ways that crushed their humanity, murdered their empathy, and suffocated their remorse, even rendering them empty actors with a seductive smirk. And then it happens. Out of nowhere. The end. As you lay on the ground, gutted and hemorrhaging, your life force just flowing out of you. You hit the ground with such force, it takes your breath away. Then you open your eyes and realize that you've been cast out of the hellish paradise fantasy. Expelled from the proverbial garden, you weep and tremble and cry out in despair 
begging for more. But they have vanished as quickly as they arrived. The addiction is strong, and the withdrawal is worse than death. At some point, you must decide between madness, suicide, destruction, or rebirth, life, and hope. So here's your 12-step program for recovery. Number one, admit that you are powerless to control a narcissist and that your life has become unmanageable because of the relationship. They are not yours. They belong to God or your understanding of that. It is not your job to heal them. Number two in the 12-step program to sobriety, accept that only a power greater than self can restore you to sanity and help the narcissist. There are many ways you can perceive this higher power, including God, spirit, universe, consciousness, creator, source, whatever. You just need that. Step three in your recovery. Decide to turn your will and your life over to this higher power as you understand it. You can't control others, and this is a very important thing to remind yourself. Thus, you can't control the narcissist. You can't. So you have to just accept that and turn it over to a higher power. And number two and three seem like they're sort of the same, but they're a little bit different. So number four, on your road to sobriety from the addiction to the narcissist, take your own moral inventory about what you need to work on. Make a list of goals and work on being whole, independent, self-validating, and all of that. You need to spend time sitting with yourself alone to be able to take this moral inventory. Don't rush out and, and mix with other people. Don't um, deny that this needs to be done and take it for granted. It, it needs to be done. Number five on your journey to recovery, uh, to sobriety from narcissistic abuse. Number five is admit to yourself and to your higher power that to, and maybe also admit to another person, say it out loud, admit um, your personal weaknesses and acknowledge all of your wrongs. This helps to minimize your fear of facing life without the narcissist. Begin controlling what you can control, which is yourself. Recognize the things you have no control over let them go and work on controlling yourself because you have complete control over that. Number six on your journey, make yourself ready and allow this higher power to remove these weaknesses from you. Ask them to remove all of them. You may have to repeat it numerous times. Agree to adopt a cooperative attitude towards recovery and be persistent with that. 
Sometimes it's easy to be resentful that you're having to even go through this in the first place. It doesn't seem fair. You're angry. You're resentful. You're bitter. But you need to let that go and adopt a cooperative attitude um, towards this sobriety, towards this independence, and then be consistent and persistent. Number seven on your journey to sobriety, become truly humble. I hear that over and over in all different kinds of literature, podcasts, YouTube videos, and even research that humility is integral part of this recovery. To be truly humble, you have to let go of your pride in this relationship with your narcissist. You have to let go of the need to feel this shared fantasy to be happy. That's not the answer. Ground yourself in reality, which I know right now with COVID and climate change and war in the world, that seems like something that, you know, you'll take a hard pass and say, no, you know, forget reality. I like living in the fantasy la la land. It's a lot nicer there than in reality. Don't do that. You have to stay grounded in reality. Uh, It's just necessary for your healing and for your mental health. Uh, You can't live in a fantasy. Um, It's not a, it's not the place to be. Um, And you have to, when you ground yourself in reality, it's also important to express daily gratitude for just simple things. I start out and I say, thank you, Lord, for letting me see for another day for letting me have a car to drive to work. Thank you for my cat. Thank you for coffee. Thank you for cool breezes on hot days. Thank you for, and I just keep going. And I find places to do it regularly. Like I always do gratitude and say my thanks on the way to the mailbox. I do it in the elevator at work. I do it when I am in my car getting ready to go into work and I do it as I leave work. So I have set times where it's become routinized. It's become a habit that when I'm in those places, I always do that. I just start my list. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It's kind of a reset. It's a way of thinking and it's going to help you. I promise. Number eight on your uh, sobriety mission to recovery from your addiction to your narcissist, make a list of everyone you have harmed by holding on to the narcissist. Wow, that's a tough one. If your children have been harmed by this relationship or friends or family, identify them. Prepare ways to repair and amend these relationships and ask for forgiveness. You have to own what has happened here and what, and your part in it. You had a part in it. You stayed. You enabled the narcissist to continue abusing you. You, you know, in a way, you're both victims, both you and the narcissist. And in a way, even though you are both victims of trauma and victims of of maybe, you know, different things, it's really important to own the fact that when you got hijacked and dragged into the sheriff fantasy and your mind was co-opted and hijacked by this narcissist, you probably ended up forsaking 
those who loved you most and those standing on the sidelines watching in horror and screaming stop 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 there's a cliff ahead you know there's amends that need to happen there repatriations you know uh, there's things that you need to do to make it right now that they're gone think about this instead of craving them longing for them missing them knowing how absolutely poisonous that was both to you and everyone around you you need to stop and say why am i obsessing about the loss of a person who was so damaging and destructive and hurtful uh, to all my family and friends why am i not spending all of my energies focusing on how to repair the relationships with my family and friends that's where the energy needs to go not towards trying to figure out how you're going to get them back so that it can abuse you some more and mess with your head and you know it's like a demonic possession you know they it, it gets in you and it convinces you you can't live without it stop it there are people who need your attention there are people who need your love and you need to step up and own it and say i am so sorry that you were hurt by this something happened to me and i did not have agency over my own mind or self or decisions or anything for a while i just went to a really crazy place i'm so sorry that you were hurt by that how can i ever make that up to you and that's where your energy needs to go folks i'm telling you that's where your energy needs to go stop longing and craving for a fix you're a love junkie if you're doing that you are addicted to them and that longing that craving it's the drugs the hormones the chemicals that have dysregulated your brain that are flooding your brain with all this withdrawal and stuff i know that it's hard i know that it's overwhelming i know it's like you're a crack heroin addict just gotta have that next fix i know that i have experienced that but you've got to focus on the people that matter and let go of that drug. Okay, sorry that one took a little while, but that number eight really hits home with me. Make a list of everyone you have harmed by holding on to the narcissist, by choosing the narcissist over them, and then try to fix that, try to repair that relation, those relationships. All right, number nine. On your journey to sobriety you need to make direct amends to these people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others do your best to repair harm and restore the relationships except that they may never understand what happened and that's the important one that makes number nine a little different from number eight you can't try to explain this to them they're not going to get it they have not experienced it they don't know what's there you know it's it's like trying to explain what it feels like to drown like if you almost drowned at one point and to explain that to a person who's never almost drowned they're not going to know what that feels like you can say oh it was suffocating there were sharp pains it felt like uh you know being stabbed in the lungs and they're not going to know what that feels like they haven't had that experience so it's the same with this you can't expect them to know they're not going to know and um you should stop trying to make them 
understand that. It's enough to just say, I got sucked into something really sick, really not okay. I'm really sorry that I left you and went to do that stuff. It was very um, addictive once I was in it and I'm lucky to be out. I feel like I've just been rescued from a cult and um, I want to be here for all of you now. And, and that's kind of what you need to say, what you need to do. Number 10, as you work on your own sobriety, continue to take your own personal inventory and promptly admit when you're wrong. Steps one through nine have helped you to see the truth about your behavior and how the rest of the world responds to your actions. And, um, you know, it also sort of, um, you're, you know, it demonstrates a lot of things, you know, how you can see more clearly now than you did before. And you also have more self-control now, more discipline now, more willpower now. And so you've been burned. You're not going to walk right back into that fire, are you? You're not. I hope not. You're not going to walk right back into the fire. You still have the burn scars to prove it. You know, you got to learn from that. Look how ugly they are. Think about how much those burns hurt. Stay away from the fire. Number 11, <clears throat> to maintaining sobriety from the addiction of the narcissist. Meditate, chant, practice mindfulness, pray, work on self-reflection, do the internal healing of your inner archaic wounds and childhood injuries, whatever it takes, learn to listen to that inner voice, to the voice of your higher power, and then surrender to what it's telling you. Identify your voice and listen to it. That should be your conscience. That should be your um, inner mechanisms, your intuition, your gut telling you what to do. You, have, you, you know you ignored that when you went with the narcissist. You know that you ignored that when you stayed. Um, so you can't afford to do that anymore. You have to face up to it. And when, when you're getting a message that's coming from above or within, you need to listen to it because the above and within is always going to be truth. Whereas when you're looking outside to that other person who is dysregulated and disordered, it's not going to be the truth. They don't have any idea what the truth is. They don't even know their own truth. How can they, they're just filled with lies. You know, you need to think of it as a temptation, like a serpent. When you think of them, think of the snake in the garden, think of any kind of ugly, horrible image of being violated and try to imagine that that's what's happening when you make contact with them. Yep. Um, so the last one, number 12, on your road to sobriety, share your new understanding, make testimonials with others who are also addicted to a relationship with a narcissist and apply these principles in other areas of your life. Give testimony, support, guidance, and remember that we become stronger and heal through helping others. Now, I want to say, sure, this is only one piece of your survival 
and ultimate freedom from the addiction to the narcissist. It is not just an emotional journey. You need to know that. It's not just a broken heart. Dysregulated brain chemicals, peptide addiction, um, all of these things make withdrawal um, worse than getting clean from alcohol or even heroin. According to a lot of people who've, who can compare it and have experienced it, they say that it's worse. There is profound trauma that is stored in your body and in the sympathetic nervous system uh, in the deepest parts of your psyche. Spiritually, you feel annihilated uh, mentally and self um, completely just obliterated and destroyed, decimated. Your confidence and your uh, trust have been violated. Uh, hopes and dreams turn just, you know, burn to the ground. Your life, your future hijacked and crushed to dust. Make no mistake, it's going to be a long road to recovery, to sobriety, and to maintaining sobriety. And you may break no contact. You may fail in one way or another, and that's okay. It's going to happen. You just get right back on that horse and go. You know, what else can you do? You have to get up and get going and build your life, you know, build your tribe of support who understands NPD and can talk the talk about NPD with you. Got to find those people because regular people who've never experienced this, they have no idea what you're talking about. They don't even really believe it. It's, it's impossible to believe. It's fantastical. It's crazy. It sounds like something nutty. So don't, you know, don't expect that. You have to find therapists who speak the language also, who have that training, who know about narcissism and trauma. Make the necessary changes that need to be made. Mend the broken fences that need to be mended. Reclaim your dignity. Think about all of the dignity you lost in that relationship where you did things you never thought you would do. And you groveled and you begged and did things you never thought you would do. Shocking, isn't it? You have to reclaim your dignity, your humanity, and yourself because you lose that when you're with them. The person with NPD will live their lives as the false self, the predator opportunist, the empty walking dead that they are. They do not belong to you. Give them back to this higher power. Give them back and focus on yourself. That's the only way you're going to, it's going to get easier. It's only way the pain is going to stop. Don't you want the pain to stop? Aren't you suffering? Doesn't it hurt? Isn't it agony? Aren't you tormented? The only way that you're going to get past this uh, is if you follow these steps and separate, disconnect, go through the withdrawal, you know, cut them out, cleanse them, purge, purge them from your system. Um, when you have a plan like this, you know, it's going to help you. Um, think about it this way, you know, you, um, if we spend as much time 
working on ourselves and our relationships with our family as we do trying to save the narcissist, you know, we would be in, we wouldn't be in such pain. We would be in a much better place. And because they're going to inevitably leave. And if they come back, they're going to inevitably leave again. You have to just, so why would you want to do that? Let's move forward and never wander off into the woods again. There are wolves out there dressed in sheep's clothing. There is danger that lurks in the darkness and we have to be aware of that. So, um, post these 12 steps where you can see them daily and get on with the business of living before it's too late. Life is short guys. Life is very short. Look at what's going on in the world today. So many things. And I know that you're in pain from what happened to you with the narcissist. Um, you have to do the work, roll up the sleeves, step away from them, stay away from them. Please stay away from them. I myself have failed numerous times to stay away. I have felt those cravings and those longings and I know what that's like, but I know that it will kill you. It will keep you stuck. It will keep you trapped. I have worked with people as clients and I have worked with groups uh, as facilitators of support groups where it's not uncommon to see people come in five years later, 10 years later, they're still ruminating intrusive thoughts, obsessive compulsive thoughts all about the narcissist, all about what they are. Are they going to change? Are they going to Hoover them? What can they do? They're just stuck in a loop of pain in a loop of loss and suffering and dysregulation. By the time the narcissist gets through with you and you get out of these relationships, you are a mess. You have lost your identity. You have lost your agency and yourself, um, your ability to manage yourself. You have lost your ability to think with clarity and independently separate from the narcissist. Your mind has become one mind with theirs. You have been like brainwashed, cultivized, like they're a cult leader and you're one of the cult followers that, that you you know, your brain has just been hijacked. It's like Stockholm syndrome. You fall in love with your captor, with your abuser and champion them as if you're on their team in many ways, they, they kill your emotions. They break your heart. They render you lifeless. And, and by the time it's all said and done, you have, uh, many of the same feelings of deadness and numbness and emptiness and hollowness as the narcissist does. He has taken your life force and replaced it with his emptiness. As you stagger away from this relationship, you need to know you're not okay. You are not intact. You are not whole and capable at this moment in this stage of your recovery of being 
uh, a healthy, free individual who's capable of self-managing and having a good identity that's strong with good boundaries and uh, knowing yourself, trusting yourself, loving yourself, opening yourself to other people who are healthy, all of that. You're not able because you have been, um, they've taken everything. They've like sucked you dry and you're like a husk, like you're like almost like them. They almost turn you into a narcissist like them because of how much they take all of those things from you that made you human, that gave you empathy, that allowed you to feel emotions like love and fear and excitement and all of those things that they don't feel that they don't know what love is. They never feel fear. And by the time you're at the tail end of maybe a really long relationship with a narcissistic partner, you're going to come out of that and you're going to be dysregulated and numb and sort of feeling dead inside and incapable of having healthy interactions with people and not trusting yourself and not trusting your own thoughts. And you know, that narcissist is taking up so much headspace and real estate in your head that you're really not free. You have to get rid of them. You have to like exercise those demons that are in there. And this is not work for the timid or the weak. This is work that is going to be very difficult, but it has to be done if you're going to be free of this and go on and have control of your life to be happy and healthy. So that's my message for today. Guys, stand strong. Get up off that ground and start fighting, fighting for your life. Okay, much love to all of you. See you next time. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash share to book. Restrictions may apply.